Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. Katrina, I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. There's always so many things to talk to you about, so hopefully we can fit them all in in the time that we have. But, you know, I always like to start my show with a little story about how you got into dentistry and a little bit about your journey. I mean, obviously, people see you on Facebook all the time and and Instagram, and you've got this cool little show going that that we can talk about in a little while, but (laughs) oh my gosh, it's hysterical. I think everybody's getting addicted to that one as well. Let's start by telling and having you tell us a little bit about you and your background and, and how you got into dentistry. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this show. It's always an honor anytime I can spend some time with you and, and talk about relevant ways to, you know, help support each other and empower each other. It truly is an honor. So thank you. My journey in dentistry is a relatively short one. I grew up in a small suburb in the Midwest and I was very fortunate uh, in that I'm the oldest of four and mom to the dentist every six months. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people that that get into dentistry because they maybe had a negative experience and they want people to have a different experience than what they had. Experience. My hygienist, her name was Linda and she was awesome. She was just such a a pediatric hygienist. That's, that's where I went was to the office growing up. So we had a blast. She would count my teeth. She would talk to me about the plaque bugs and, um, you know, she'd help me with my fluoride treatment and I got sealants and I, I was very much privy to the preventive hygiene therapy that provided me with a very positive experience. So you start to get to that age when you decide, what am I going to be when I grow up? I think some of us, even as adults are still <laughs> trying to figure out what we're going to be when we grow up. <laughs> But I, I was about 17. You're starting to take your ACTs, SATs. What am I going to do with my life? And I uh, happened to look up the you know, respect that hygienists have in the community. And I also kind of thought, wow, I mean, hygienists make a lot of money to be like polishing teeth all day, right? So I went on to hygiene school. I was actually very fortunate. Uh, I got in the very first time I applied to the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry in the Twin Cities campus. Uh, so they have a division of dental hygiene. There were uh, like 800 some odd people who applied for the positions there that were available. There were about three spots open. So it was a very competitive class. And, and I didn't realize at the time, and this is kind of the running joke, I didn't realize what hygienists actually did. Because remember, I had seen a pediatric hygienist until I was 18 years old. And so I didn't know, we started talking about periodontal probing and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. we go under the gums? What is and then that? learning about injections, I'm like, we inject people? Like, what is this? So uh, the irony of course now is that uh, I'm on the other side of that where uh, I've had the incredible opportunity, but I've, I've had the opportunity to kind of integrate myself into so many unique facets of dental hygiene which has just been absolutely incredible. Um, but I will say that in my time at the University of Minnesota, I very much felt an incredible uh, sense of camaraderie. Uh, I very much uh, felt like I was a part of a sorority, not just with my 
classmates, but even now, the, the people that are publishing things in Dimensions of Dental Hygiene, RDH Mag, some of those industry standard periodicals that we look at today uh, are my faculty members. And so I was definitely uh, very fortunate to be in a very prestigious program where there was a lot of respect and a lot of focus around education, how important education is. Uh, why it's important for us to continue the legacy of what hygiene has been. And so that essentially led me down to Phoenix, Arizona. I moved down here 13 years ago wow. and uh, have been practicing ever since. It's It's been a true dream. I do joke, but uh, it, it feels true. It feels like I just graduated from hygiene school like last week. I cannot believe that 13 years have gone by. Uh, and it's just uh, truly been an incredible experience uh, from start to finish. Amazing. Amazing. And then you blossomed out from there and you've done a couple of different things. You're still working actively, right, as a hygienist? Yeah, yeah. So I'm still practicing. I am one of those self-proclaimed dental hygiene nerds where I absolutely love patient care. I love putting on my scrubs. I love sitting down side by side with a patient. I love those challenging patients. You know what I'm talking about, the ones that will say, you know, oh, any changes to your health history? Nothing that affects my mouth challenge accepted. You know, I'm that person that like, I just want to roll up my sleeves and do it. I, I mean, nowadays, of course, we won't roll up our sleeves anymore <laughs> but with all the infection control standards. But you know, I, I'm one of those people that just really loves to be a part of somebody's health and wellness and their vitality. I love being a patient advocate. I think we are, we are extremely powerful when we have a scaling utensil in our hand, but we're even more powerful uh, when we can sit side by side with a patient and help kind of bring them through their process of care and come out the other side with the renewed sense of value and understanding in what we're doing. I've always felt that. So yes, I am still practicing, but my, my journey through dental hygiene has been a very interesting one. And I do put this disclaimer out that I don't think my journey is near done. I think it has just begun, actually. But it, it has certainly been a culmination of, of many things that helped kind of bring me along. I, I knew in hygiene school, and I, I love sharing this, but, uh, when I was in hygiene school, my senior year, final semester, I took a career development class that we all had to. And in that class, we had to fill out what was called a career development manual, where it helped us to identify the things that we really wanted uh, to get out of our careers. What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? What are the things that you're going to do? And I filled it, it out. Senior dental hygiene student Katrina completed it. And I tossed it in a box with all my books, which ended up making it down here to Phoenix, hung out in my garage for a while. And I stumbled upon that manual the other day. And what was funny about this manual is when you look at the things that I wanted for myself 13 years ago, the things I did for myself, and where I am today, there's so many incredible parallels. When I was in hygiene school as a senior dental hygiene student, I thought being a faculty member, I thought I would be writing a textbook, I thought I would be writing articles, I thought I would be traveling internationally speaking on dental hygiene content. And the one thing that is a bit off is I was going to live in a studio apartment with a fabulous gay man. And I actually live in Phoenix, Arizona with a fabulous gay man. So a little bit a off. A little bit <laughs> off geographically is not so bad. <laughs> Other side of the country. Geography is not my strength. That's okay. Um, but I mean, to a T, it was incredible to be able to read that and go, oh my goodness, these are the things that I wanted for myself 13 years ago. And here I am today. Uh, and I have accomplished that. But 
I think just like anybody's journey and anybody's story, it doesn't, the ends uh, sometimes don't justify the means. And there are all of these little interwoven things that happen in between there. And, um, and my journey through my career really began when I moved down to Phoenix and I was practicing. I practiced for a large DSO here. I, I practiced for a, a very high-end cosmetic practice in town, a Medicare Medicaid practice. And so I began to gather all of these really unique skills around different clientele mm-hmm. and what their special care needed to be. And eventually got offered a faculty position. I was young. I was 25. Wow. You know, fresh out of hygiene school. I had my bachelor's though and started teaching as adjunct faculty. They encouraged me to go to grad school, my master's degree in educational leadership, which I did. Admittedly, I am a major school nerd. I love writing papers. I love going to a coffee shop and making flashcards. That's like my total jam. So I loved going to school and I'm right now I'm thinking it's a good time to start my PhD. So I'm like trying to hold myself back because I've got a lot of other tasks on my plate before that. But I, I got my uh, master's degree and I started writing curriculum within that program. I saw curriculum differently. Uh, admittedly, I was a millennial I still am, but at the time I was a millennial situation where a lot of my themed colleagues were at least twice my Your age, age not right. Correct. And so it was a very interesting dynamic. Me wanting to see education a very different way, getting my graduate degree, you know, wanting to shift that. And so that pushed me to write my textbook because I thought none of these textbooks are doing what I need to do for my curriculum which is a huge accomplishment of blood, sweat, tears, the whole thing, and continued on my journey. Uh, I eventually got to the point where I recognized that while I loved education, I loved building out strategic partnerships and supporting my students and all these incredible things, education didn't love me back. And I share this image. There's a, a photo of me on the last day in my office when I decided that I needed to resign from education. And I'm at least 60 pounds heavier. Wow. And I had stress-induced heart murmur. My skin was bad. My hair was, I mean, falling out to the point where when I show this picture, people actually are shocked that that's me. I have to reshare that photo at some point because it's, it's really crazy when people see this. So after I left my faculty position started tempting as a hygienist, yep. which was kind of an interesting dichotomy because when you have a master's degree, you're published, you were faculty and now you're temping, people are kind of looking at you like you're a little crazy. But I really enjoy temping. I think it's a great opportunity to see what's out there. And it gave me a lot of material to begin writing articles. I started writing articles for other little periodicals and sending out um, those articles to those periodicals for review. And um, so that would be my first lesson for people that are listening to this. I didn't wait for permission. I didn't wait for somebody to say, it would be great if you could write an article on this. You know what I mean? I just, I, I just started writing because I just, I felt in my heart and soul. I saw a lot of disparity. I, lo- I saw a lot of inconsistencies in the community with temping. And I wanted to share my thoughts and opinions about it. So uh, around that same time, I uh, bought a journal because I was very troubled in where I was going to be going with all of my credentials and and this energy and all these things that I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do more. I knew I wanted to do something. So I bought this guided journal. It asked if you wanted for the rest of your life and money was no object, what would you do? Mm, And there was a disclaimer there. It is a great question because I think, I mean, during COVID-19, I think we can all joke that 
for the first maybe two weeks, you'd sit on a beach and have cocktails and hang, you know, and not do anything. But then after those two weeks are up, I would go crazy. I mean, so that right now, right? Like we, it's, we have to find our purpose and we have to find that thing that gets us to spring out of bed in the morning. And I think unfortunately for too many Americans and I, I employ consider too many women, we spring out of bed be out of obligation because we have to, because right. we need a paycheck and that doesn't feel fulfilling. And so I bought this guided journal and it asked me, seriously, what would you do? After those two weeks of laying on a beach, sipping cocktails, what would you really do? And I wrote, I want to sip wine, talk about dental hygiene and help homeless animals. And the next page said, <laughs> all right, now, now you've got over the shock of how ridiculous that whole concept is that you could actually do that for the rest of your life. But what if you could actually build a business around that? What if you could do that? What would that look like? Great question. And I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard of. And I, I put the journal away because I thought this, I'm, I'm not even going to proceed forward with this. This is so ridiculous. The next day I got a call from uh, some of my previous students who had graduated and were now out practicing and they uh, were struggling with technique, particularly alternative injections. And that was something that I had instructed on as faculty. And so they had asked me, you know, hey, Sanders, would you, Sanders, Sanders, would you put together a, a little educational program for us? We would really appreciate it. So here's lesson number two. The universe is going to opportunities in front of you and you could decide if you honor that opportunity or if you walk away from it. And I've never been somebody to walk away uh, from an opportunity and or a challenge. And so I said, absolutely, let's do it. And I always take things another step further maybe than I need to. Um, and so I immediately got my PACE AGD <laughs> and <laughs> Built out of course you objectives. Did. <laughs> I mean, why not? Built out a program, uh, put a program together uh, with a, a three-hour anesthesia uh, injections uh, program. A local wine bar in town, VIP member, found that they uh, offered as a VIP membership opportunity that I could use their back room for free. Uh, started selling tickets, put together a little rinky-dinky flyer, put it up on Facebook, and you know, basically began offering ticket sales for this uh, particular course. So went and temped for the day, put my flyer up in the morning, went and temped on a Monday, came back at the end of the day, and I had oversold the course. Wow. I had so many participants who were interested in this program that I had to actually rent chairs from a chair rental company and put them in the space. Yeah, the, the fire marshal wasn't too happy with me, but we're okay. So I built out this program and this was for me the first time that I felt free because I developed educational objectives and content for the, the school. And I was under Title IX and I was under campus directors this and the program directors that and the department chair this and the students have to do an eval on that. And this was the first time that I could develop this content, I could deliver it in any way I wanted to. It was in compliance with PACE AGD. And so I lived it up and I hammed it up. I, I leaned on my theatrical background. I leaned on my public speaking skills. I unrolled this content. I was cracking jokes. I was walking around the room. We were sipping wine. We had cheese platters. It was for me, like I had it. And I got done with that program and I thought I could seriously do this the rest of my life. Like this is amazing. But what, what followed 
were these people who had attended this program said, we want more, we want this. And from that, someone started calling me the dental wine genist and it just stuck. So it's like, okay, there I started building more and more content. And I started offering that content at a very unique venues. We weren't in a stuffy, uh, you know, lecture hall in a hotel setting. We were in these comfy, cozy wine bars and I was doing wine pairings with things. I was studying at the time and had eventually passed my level one sommelier as recognized by the Court of Master Sommeliers. So I now deliver educational content about the wine, the grapes that we're, we're drinking, provide tasting profiles, do wine pairings with you know chocolate or, or, or pairings with um, cheeses. And so that really created uh, this uh, catalyst, if you will. It taught me when I now look back at that guided journal that I can create this business on drinking wine and talking about dental hygiene. And of course, People always ask me about, well, what about the third part? I wanted to help save homeless animals. And so uh, I just received clearance from the Arizona uh, State Board of Veterinary Medicine to be able to provide dental services to the animals at county that are scheduled to be euthanized due to dental disease. Wow. So uh, that has been, and then in tandem with that, uh, I attended the Veterinary Dental Forum, which was actually in Phoenix that same year. So received some educational content on you know, providing uh, educational or providing dental services rather to dogs and cats at county. And so it's ironic when I look back at all of this, because I have literally in three years, I have built a business where I drink wine, talk about dental hygiene and save homeless animals. And it has just been, I, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it's, it. Because it's an amazing story. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Thank it's you. An amazing it's story. So <laughs> I, I really have a direct question though. We met in January of 2019. So when was your first class? My first program was in 2017. It was in June of 2017. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So that, and it's so funny because that exact program in its pretty, with the same fonts, the same images, everything is still in my speaker packet. And I get hired across the country to deliver that content still. And it's kind of cool because when I see that initial slide pop up, you know, my, my title slide with it, I mean, I just get all the feels and oh, maybe only me in the room. Maybe I'm the only person who knows, like this is the program where I got my start. That launched you. But it did, it launched to the moon. And I have so much it's, you know, and it's hard to, as a speaker, he always asks, which is your favorite course? I, I love them all. Just like I love all four of my dogs. <laughs> I, I love all of my courses, you know, uh, equally well. But that one has a very special place in my heart because it really did launch me. Um, as much as people walked away learning a lot from that program, I walked away learning a lot about myself and, and where I feel most alive from that program. And so uh, it, it's a beautiful program to continue to deliver and, and I'm not taking it off the pack at any time. Absolutely so not. To me. So earlier this week, I had a great conversation with, with another woman who was talking about her passion and that she had no idea what she was going to do or how she was going to build this company, but she built it nonetheless. And it's extremely successful. And I will say that I recognize the same passion in you 
in the fire in your belly just because of how excited you get just talking about it. Now it's three years ago and you're still giving it. So I think that's a really key thing to pay attention to is how much passion you have about an idea. And if you don't have passion for an idea, it's not worth pursuing. Absolutely. That's, that's the whole concept behind going back to that guided journal was what is it that matters so much to you that even if it sounds silly, even if it sounds like the most ridiculous thing that you put on a piece of paper, what is it that matters to you so much that in your wildest dream of dreams, would do. And, and that's the thing for me. And, and I think, you know, I, I've had the esteemed opportunity to brush shoulders with you, MJ, and all of these incredible women in dentistry who have not only established, you know, a culture around the respect that we have for dentistry, but the respect that we have for women within dentistry. Sure. And it, it's that, that dynamic energy. And you, you and I've talked about this before. I do believe energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred, but it's, it's those moments when, I mean, you can feel it that, you know, your, your hands get clammy and your pulse starts to go and your cheeks get even rosier. And it's, I don't mean to say it's effortless because it's, it's not, there's oh, a lot gosh, of work. There was that a lot of work that, that went do. into what you did. <laughs> for a lot sure. of work. But I will say there's no part of me that wakes up in the morning and goes, Oh, I have to do this. I wake up every morning saying I get to, and it didn't start that way. There are certain things that I had to do in my business. There are certain, you know, I spoke for years, well, not years, maybe a year and a half I spoke for free or, mm-hmm. you know, was barely making enough money to pay for the bottles of wine and cheese. Well, I mean, you, you put in your dues, you put in your time, but at the end of the day, all of that doesn't matter. All right. So Elizabeth Gilbert has this concept called eating a shit sandwich. And if you love something, <laughs> it's from her book, it's from her book, Big Magic. It's it, seriously like get this book. If you don't have it, if you haven't read it yet, Big Magic. And, and Elizabeth Gilbert's amazing in it. Cause she talks about how important it is for women to take something that they're passionate about and they're that really you know, stimulates their creativity and gets them to go. But she talks about this concept of eating a shit sandwich. And she literally says, like, if you love something so much, you will eat the shit sandwich that comes along with it. And it's like, and it's so true because, you know, those of us who are speakers and MJ, you know, you've seen this a gajillion times. It is not glamorous. Oh what we gosh, do. no. It looks like it. You see a speaker walk out on stage and our hair's curled and we're in a you know gorgeous dress and heels. It looks really glamorous, but behind the scenes is a person who's been up for hours, is in a completely different time zone, hasn't eaten yet, is afraid to take a sip of water because they have to talk for three hours and they don't want to have to use the restroom in the middle of their program. <laughs> their baggage got lost. Um, they have to leave that night because they have to speak in another city in the morning. I mean, all of these things are, ha- we're human beings. And, right. and so, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like I will eat that shit sandwich and I'll eat somebody else. You're going to finish yours because I'll eat yours too. I mean, that's how much I love what I do. And I think it, what a beautiful thing for women to come very close or experience their true passion, the thing that lights them up, their purpose, and ultimately their why, because that's where all of the stars, in my opinion, all the stars align beautifully. And it doesn't matter. The universe starts praising you. The universe starts telling you, this is exactly what you need to be doing and pay attention. 
and all the steps occur on track. Absolutely. Everything works out perfectly. You don't regret anything. I mean, people ask me, my, like, do you regret it? It's like, I don't regret a single thing that's happened. And I've had ups and downs and things happen to me. I don't regret any of it because it's all the way it was supposed to be. And the lessons I learned from every single one of those things have been so impactful for me. So it's been a beautiful journey. I'm still early on in my journey, in my opinion, and I, I've got a lot to go. I look forward to listening back to this podcast in three years and going, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> what am I going to be? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Yeah. 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 What, a, what a, a cool thing to be excited about. So. Now, so did you update your journal? You know, I mean, now that it's worked so many times for you, it seems yeah. to make sense that you would update your journal and, and put the next list of crazy ideas that you never expected would happen to start forming those. Yeah, I've kept those foundational pieces the same because to me, those are my purpose. But to your point, I've built out my why. I know that's that's a whole topic for, <laughs> for another, another program day, right. is understanding your why. Through all of that, I built out the concept around my brand, which I'm continuing to get a lot of clarity on. I recognized that one of the things that I enjoy doing is not only sipping wine and talking about dental hygiene, but unpacking provocative ideas about dentistry, but doing it in a very respectful and kind and honest way. Because if somebody can share those ideas and they can put them out loud, then now we can do something about it. If we name it, we can change it. Mm -hmm. And so my brand became about how are we going to take the things that we're seeing in dentistry, the things that my esteemed colleagues are complaining on social media, the things that are not okay, and how can we do better together? How can I right. be a part of the solution? And so I've gotten very crystal clear about that in my business. I've gotten very crystal clear about the dynamic energy around what that means from a branding standpoint. And so I've developed a lot with that. I've developed a lot with the ideas, the things that I want to do, which not only include the dental industry, but also the industry as well. Mm -hmm. How I can be a voice for those who really strive for excellence and really want to continue to promote that in the work that they do. I want to provide a community and a tribe for hygienists, doctors, um, you know, practitioners who want to see this co-therapeutic management and, and want to see the patient as a whole Full person to be able to come together. And so we have to start doing that. We have to start putting just like I did with these rental chairs. We got to start renting chairs and, and cracking them open and putting them down and putting a glass of wine in those people's hands and saying, let's talk about this. Let's get each other in the same room and let's have this dialogue. So that's been a huge part of the work that I've done. I'm an avid journaler though. And I know you and I've talked about this quite a bit, the habits, the things that we do to keep ourselves in check and to re-remind ourselves of the things that are important maybe when we feel that we've shifted off course or we've maybe lost our way or this isn't the road or path that we want to be on how do we put ourselves back onto that path and so um, you know those are things that that I do routinely but I will say I'm proud from a foundational standpoint I still want to wake up every morning and drink wine and talk about dental hygiene and save homeless animals there you go there you go in a nutshell oh my gosh right. what a story it's just amazing <laughs> And so, you. you know, you brought up your brand and, you know, one of the things that I think is critically important to us as women 
to establish ourselves and get ourselves out there, especially when we're starting our own businesses and have that entrepreneurial spirit, is the brand and how we market ourselves. And I want to talk a little bit more about how you marketed yourself and what an amazing job you're doing. Oh, thank you. You know, little birdie told me that you're doing almost all of this yourself, if not all of it. And it just, <laughs> it just blows me away because just knowing how to work in Canva, thank God I figured that out. I know. Yeah. Canva's amazing if you can figure it out, but it's a journey to get, it <laughs> to is get a there. Journey. Yeah. And you know, I've spent four months trying to piece all these pieces together to get something started. And I feel like I've been learning nonstop for four months. And I think and doing it yourself, at least I'm, I'm getting support because I, I just don't have the time to do it all myself. But I love what you're doing. So talk a little bit about like what part of marketing worked better than you ever expected. Is there something, you know, like I know you're working on IGTV. I love the, the show with your partner in crime. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with the Pinot Gaggio. <laughs> He's Gagio. ridiculous. Oh, I love God. him. Uh, my Pinot Gaggio. So a few things. One, when we talk about branding, we talk about social media a lot. And I get it right now with COVID-19. That is our branding. But my branding started as something more than that. When I started delivering this content, my very first local anesthesia course, and I did it at a wine bar, which was different. It was, and it's perfect. It's like a niche that you just, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. Thank you. And you know, the thing about it is I, and this, this is my little secret I'll share with you and everybody who's listening. I've always, I built my business on doing the opposite of what people say and what people are doing. I, you know, getting real, I, I had people early on say it's inappropriate for you to, to, drink wine and talk about history. Like it's not appropriate. I've had people message me that they're disgusted that I would step out on the stage without wearing pantyhose. I mean, it, it, these are things that it's like, you know, early on I built my brand on, I'm going to do things based on what feels good for me. And Absolutely. there's authenticity to that. Um, and what I mean by that is I'm not, I mean, if you were to show up to my house right now, I would let you in and I'd hug you, even though we're supposed to, you know, social distancing, I would hug you because I would just be so happy to see you. But if you were to walk into my house right now and you were to look around, you would go, this is exactly what I would picture Katrina Sanders' home looking like. Th these are her dogs. This is the wallpaper. Of course, she's got, you know, a, a cell full of wine. Of course, she's got, you know, a, here's her guided journal that she, you know, journals every morning. Here's, of course, is at her office. I mean, my brand is, brand. if you bump into me at the grocery store, I'm, you know, I mean, Calvin Klein drills, like most people expect to see me in, but people will know right away you're the dental wine because I'm probably in the wine aisle. I mean, I, I am my brand through and through. And so my brand, before it was really big on social media, people would see me at trade shows like the, you know, ADHA, people would see me under roof, and they they just knew you're the dental wine genist. I, I can tell that's, you know, who you are. But my brand has, of course, expanded over time. And I know we've talked a, a little bit about social. Yeah. I think the things that have been really impactful for me are the things that have allowed me to show my authenticity. Mm. You know, I will say part of my brand is I'm, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm someone's glass of wine. And that is true. That takes a comfortability that takes, I'm not going to say confidence because I think as women, we all 
are working to create a comfortability with confidence and a comfortability with fear and using that fear to allow us to be a better version of ourselves while not letting it take over. As Elizabeth Gilbert says, you can let fear be along on the ride, but it doesn't get to sit in the front seat and it doesn't get to pick the radio station. Uh, it gets to sit in the back seat and it's just there to be a part of the journey. What I've done is I've created this authentic brand where people can go on and, hey, if you like a, a, a dorky uh, Midwestern you know, millennial 30 something single ginger with her, you know, gay besties sitting on the couch and sipping wine and you find us funny, like by all means join along. But that doesn't mean every, I mean, there are certainly people that don't find that charming or hilarious and that's okay. I'm not here to, to pander to everybody. Uh, I'm here to create something that to me feels good. Absolutely. In addition with that. And I, I think that's the really important piece. This is if you work impress everybody, you, you impress no one. And that's, that's not, there are hygienists out there that I 100% do not and cannot connect with. And I will very respectfully say, I disagree. You know, I, I will always be respectful to them, but there are some hygienists that just do not align with where I see dentistry going, whether they're burnt out, whether they're calloused to the industry. I just saw it today. It hurt my heart. Young gal posted on a, an Arizona dental hygiene forum and said, I'm thinking about going into dental hygiene. You know, what programs in town would, would you suggest? And out of the 50 some odd comments that there were, I would say half of them were, don't do it. Don't go into hygiene. And it's like, Uh, that hurts my heart to see that because those are not the voices that I connect with. We all have a passion for something. And and if your passion is no longer about helping the community and serving patients, then I'm okay with not connecting with you. Or they should move on, don't you think? I mean, seriously, why stay? Don't change. Don't, why stay? You're not helping patients by, you know, being a calloused version of a clinician. You're not uh, changing societal trust or societal understanding of the work that we do. You are not helping our doctors to understand the value in what we bring. You're not helping the medical community to see what we're and you're certainly not inspiring the future of dental hygiene. And so that hurts my heart to see that. But um, I bring that up because uh, there was one article that I wrote that just had springboarded or really launched my brand in a really impactful way. And that was something that had been sitting on my heart for a long time. Mm. I had the opportunity last year in the summer to deliver the mega session at RDH Under One Roof. And uh, I was sponsored by Dentists by Serona. They wanted me to essentially build out content on helping dental hygienists to do the right thing, diagnose perio, mm-hmm. identify perio, you know, to, to, you know, verbalize our concerns to our doctors when we don't have enough time to treat our patients appropriately. How can we be advocates for our patients and advocates in the community? And uh, so I delivered this program and I, I felt good about it. And of course you get your course evals at the, end of the, the program. And there were over 2000 people in that room, I will say. And uh, like any type A, I'm an Enneagram three. Um, I don't know if you've talked about the Enneagram before, but I love the Enneagram. I think it's amazing. So I'm an Enneagram three, which means I'm an achiever. Uh, so what I do when I read my course evals is everyone gives me a five, like she's fabulous. I hate to say it that way, but I really, I, I'm very fortunate. You know, 
fabulous back. We love her. She's incredible. La, la, la. And then I find like the two people in that room that hated me. <laughs> and I, I obsess about those Courtney vows. And it's so funny because speakers in general, we talk about it. Like, how do you not, and there's some speakers out there that are very well-established speakers in the community mm -hmm. that say, I never read my evals. Well, good for them. That's amazing. Yeah. They can do that. I need, I need to read. So one participant said, after my program, they said, I will never go to another program or I will never attend another program that the speaker delivers ever again. And I thought, wow, I mean, I must have done, and I thought back on my program, MJ, I thought about it. And what I had done in that program was I had shared a very heart-wrenching story about my family uh, losing my mother because a, a physician missed something that could have easily been detected. And hours later, she died. And mm -hmm. it's not okay. And, and every day, we have an opportunity to sit and to screen for diseases of the head and neck. Uh, I do believe that the mouth is the barometer to the rest of the body and that we can utilize the, the tissue turnover in the mouth to help diseases. Sit, talk about oral systemic link. We want to get a cherry on top of our treatment planning. Right. We want to say, you need SRPs, Bob. And by the way, if you don't get SRPs, Bob, you could have heart disease, stroke, or respiratory infection, certain types of cancer. I mean, we want to go on and on and on, but we're not going to do the flip side of that, where we identify changes in the tissue and we say, you need to get some blood work done. I'm concerned. You may ha you know, have an, an immunodeficiency. You may be HIV positive. You may be releasing cortisol associated with stress. We need to look at your C-reactive proteins. Uh, maybe you have a nutritional deficiency. And although we're trained in doing these things, we're not doing them. And my program was, listen up, we need to stop being the cleaning lady. Are you tired of being called the cleaning lady? We are more than that. We are physicians of the head and neck. We are trained in that. And this is how we're going to step forward together. I look around at thousands of my esteemed colleagues, and I know that we are better and we are stronger when we are together. And this is how we're going to do it. And I created a, a multi-step plan with a resource. And one person was so offended by that message that she will never attend another thing I ever have to say ever again. Which I say, yeah, okay, whatever, Jan or Karen or whatever. Whatever you your name was. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Good riddance. Right. But to me, it was more than that. There were more layers to it than that. And so what I did was I wrote an article on LinkedIn where I, the title of my article was, I will never attend another program by the speaker ever again. And what I did was I unpacked my experience and I very specifically said in it, and I was just doing this to air out on my end, the frustrations associated with being a speaker and respecting I respect my colleagues so much. There, we have to go through such rigorous coursework. We have to go through rigorous, you know, comprehensive examinations. We have to go through relicensure. We have to take continuing education coursework. Half of us don't have time to pee, grab a sip of water, eat a handful of almonds in between patients. We are working around the clock to help serve our patients, bring production in for our doctors. I mean, we care so much. And I want to be a voice for those hygienists. But it is so frustrating to be a speaker where I am advocating and I am trying to share this message with doctors, with the medical community that we are so impactful and we're so important. And then I wasn't 
who thinks that they're exempt from that. And so I was frustrated. And this was almost kind of a call to action. And this was almost saying, because I posted this on LinkedIn, so meeting planners thought, and I kind of said, if you're a meeting planner and you are thinking about hiring me, know that you're going to have <laughs> one or two attendees who are going to be upset by my message because my message is so forward thinking. It's different. It's futuristic. I see these things differently because I've lived them. And I think that my role as a speaker is to empower the industry to do better. Until you know better. Until listen. And to listen. Mm -hmm. I want to give the tools that they need to continue to do better. And we have to stop with this mediocrity. I'm building out some thought leadership content right now on why do we call it the standard of care? Mm -hmm. Standard we need to do in order to not get sued. It should be the excellence of care. I do believe I treat every patient in my chair like a member of my family that I like. And so uh, why would I want my dad to get the bare minimum so that you don't get sued? That's mm -hmm. unacceptable. Right. My dad deserves the absolute best. And I can confidently say that because anyone else's dad who sits in my right. chair gets my best. Mm -hmm. And we are far too, too far along as an industry. It is 2020. We know too much. The landscape of dentistry is continuing to change. We simply know too much to sit back and permit this mediocrity to continue. And so to that one or two people in that room who thought what I had to say didn't apply to them, good riddance. And please don't see another one of my programs because my program is not built for people who think that they're exempt from being excellent. And so at any rate, I built out this like really provocative thing. I had to, you know, obviously let it sit and stew for a year, but I wrote this article and I just had to air it out. And interestingly enough, as you'd suspect, people were reading the title and that title was scintillating enough that they wanted to read more. And then people began sharing it because they agreed with this thought. And so that creates idea around thought leadership. And at the end of the day, when you talk about a brand, a brand is more than just the cute photos that you post on Instagram. Right. It's more, it's the words around it. Mm -hmm. It is the content built within it. It's the thought around it. It's down to, I have my own customized font. So if you hire me for a program and you look at my PowerPoint, nobody else has that font. That's my font. That's the Katrina Sanders font. Um, and I use that font in a lot of my social media posting and things like that, my icons. So that uh, very much has, has built out a, a lot of my brand. And then uh, you'd mentioned my IGTV series. I do uh, sway. I do the opposite of whatever everybody else does. And I knew when COVID-19 was happening that everyone was immediately, at least the people in my industry, everyone was going to do the same thing, which is we were all going to start building infection control content. It's obvious. Like that's what every speaker is going to do. Let's put out a webinar on infection control. Now I speak on infection control. I actually love infection control because I'm a major microbiome nerd. So I have content on it. My, I do have a virtual assistant and she said, you know, we need to start you know, letting people know that we can offer this as a webinar and all that jazz. And she was amazing about that. But I thought, well, I'm going to do the exact opposite. If everybody's building content on action control, I'm going to build fun content that people just want to watch where we're not talking about COVID-19 because you turn on the news and that's it's all, all you're talking you about all day long. Mm -hmm. It's press releases on this. and You go onto social media and everything is COVID-19 all the way down. You go onto TikTok, everything's COVID-19. So I thought I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to release content that has nothing to do with COVID-19. 
It's just fun. It's different. It's bright. It's something to distract you. It's going to break up the monotony. So you're going to see COVID-19 and then a post that's not about COVID-19. And so Steve and I built it out. We called it COVID Wine Teen, um, where we have content that we release as frequently as we can generate it. And it's just us being silly, sipping wine, talking about, I mean, we're cooking in the kitchen. We're making random cocktails. We did a wine pairing with Fabuloso Scents because we thought that was just funny. I mean, we're just trying to keep it light. Mm -hmm. And you know, people really gravitate towards that. They liked that. And that showed a different side to the dental line genus. People that see me and hear me speak know that I can throw down any day with P. gingivalis, F. nucleatum, like bring it on. Like I have microbio content, but I can also be a fun loving person. And so people got to see this other side of me. They got to see the humanistic side of me. They see my dogs hopping in the background they see Stephen and I singing little show tunes and just being silly. And I implore you to consider that even after this series is out, being at the trade shows, that people will recognize me based on that. And I can tell you that because Stephen was out the other day grabbing a coffee and somebody said, are you the Pinot Gagio? And he goes... <laughs> how did you know? And they said, we watch your IGTV series. It's like our favorite thing. We get so excited when we see you. So he got recognized as the Pinot Gaggio. So oh my I'm gosh. sure it's going to be a lot for my brand. So That's it's been awesome. good. It's been awesome. Oh my gosh. You have certainly no shortage of energy, no shortage of great ideas. It, it's amazing. All right. So tell our audience one thing that they might be surprised to know about you. Um, I cannot, like, I cannot sing at all. Wow. I am awful. And I, I share that because people see that I have a theater background. People, I almost went to a conservatory. Mm -hmm. I was a very talented flute player in high school and um, was offered a lot of scholarships. And so I had to decide between dental hygiene and music performance. So I am uh, trained as a musician. I, I can read notes, but I cannot sing for the life of me. And so I think people find that very surprising when they learn that about me, because as a speaker, you should have all of this, you know, <laughs> training on pronunciations and intonations and all that, but can't do it. I still am entertaining when I karaoke. I mean, I, I do try to deliver there on the karaoke stage, but yeah, I can't sing. Oh my gosh. That's hysterical. <laughs> it's okay, Katrina. You're doing just fine doing your speaking. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Seriously. All right. So through your journey, what do you think is the one piece of advice somebody has given you that you are so thankful for? There are two pieces of advice. Oh, good. The first I read in a book, she's a life coach and she's the same life coach who actually constructed the guided journal mm -hmm. that I started writing in. And she had a quote that said, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, why would somebody else invest in you? Absolutely. Great point. And when I thought about that, I thought about the fact that when you talk about starting a business and you talk about mm -hmm. wanting people to invest in you, we're not even just talking about financially by, oh, I'll hire you, but people investing time in reading your social media posts mm -hmm. or investing time in listening to your podcasts and things like that. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, how can other people invest in you? And so I mean, when I go out and I speak, people actually find it very interesting that I 
hire speaking coaches. Not all the time, but I work with Paul Homily on a lot of content um, because he's amazing and he gets me and he, he just gets me. And so I love working with him. I also work with Catherine Itell as a communications coach. I think she has such a beautiful way of helping unpack ideas. Because my brand is so provocative, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is offensive. It's mm-hmm. provocative, but it doesn't hurt people's feelings. feelings and right. so so people find it uh, very interesting that I work with speaking coaches. I also have a business coach and I, I have my own life coach that I work with along with doing life coaching masterminds. And so I think people find that very interesting that I I hire people to do a lot of those things and to help support me. But at the end of the day, I believe that when I'm out there and I'm speaking, it's a program. I call it a performance because it is. You get the full Katrina Sanders in all of her glory. (laughs) It's a performance. And so because of that, I invest in that. I invest in coursework. I invest in you know additional certifications I invest in even the court of master sommeliers and learning additional content about wine and, and purchasing books and and audiobooks and things like that I'm continually investing in myself and it continues to make the difference when you look at how that separates you from you know the rest of the herd I think people get very fearful early on to invest in themselves and I will say after I heard that quote it just it made it so easy for me to make those decisions to show up to those retreats or to go to those programs there's not a single thing that I've done to invest in myself that I regret you know I couldn't agree with you more because I do think that many women feel guilty about investing in themselves and it is by far the best investment you could ever make is in yourself yeah yeah it just changes your life because you finally feel worthy of the money that you're making right i mean absolutely it flips a switch in your mind and you actually can appreciate yeah you know i i am worth it and i am going to use this information to make myself and my life better. Absolutely. It 100% adds layers of complexity to the question of how did you get where you are today? Which is, you know, I get those questions a lot. People will message me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I love that they ask that. I'm so honored. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm honored that they're asking me that. But that's a loaded question because it's not just one thing. No, There's no... no it's not like, well, I went to this one camp one summer and then all of a sudden I'm me. It's not that. It's There's so many layers to it. There's so many things that I've done and there's so many things that I continue to do. And so that has been really impactful for me. And I think in tandem with that, the second thing that I needed to hear was I delivered a program last year mm-hmm. and it was in the spring and it was a stand-up comedy uh, program. So stand-up dental comedy. And I decided, and this was right, I mean, three months after mom passed. And I thought, I don't know. I think something happens to you when something that tragic occurs in your life. You decide to either, you know, stay on the ground, you know, with gravel indented in your knees and, and you know, really be sad and let it take you down. Or in my opinion, you find that glittering, silver lining and you just go for it. And so that, you know, mom didn't raise no martyr. She taught me to, you know, tell the ground, you're sorry, get back up, brush yourself off and you keep going and you 
rise. And so I started, I don't know, something within me just shifted. And I started just releasing toxic things, toxic people, and started doing things that scared me. I don't know why I got this weird rush from it. And one of those things was, I think stand-up comedy is one of the most terrifying things you can do. So I did a stand-up Absolutely. comedy. <laughs> it's like either you're hilarious or you're horrible. There's no in between. You just, you can't, you can't do it in between. So I put together this stand-up comedy event. It was a dental CE. We're offering CE credit for it. Uh, come on out. I sold out the event, you know, a hundred people showed up on a Friday night to this really cool wine bar. I did wine pairings and, you know, got uh, my friend, uh, Melissa Sotosanti, she's the, the hygiene gangster. She came out with this really cute photo booth and we just had a blast. I even had like walk-on music, like I got to pick my own walk-on music and oh. stuff, you know. And so I, I built this whole event and then I'm getting ready to walk out on stage and I go, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare any material. Like, I, what am I, what, what am I going to say, you know? And so I, I just, it, but it was weird because I just thought, you know what, you're just do it, just get up there and do it. And so I did. And I got up there and I started just talking about dentistry and how funny we are in dentistry and how silly patients are. The patients don't know how to sit in the chair the right way. Half the time they walk in and they don't know, you know, what chair do I sit in? It's like this one you sat in last time. You know, I, do I take myself and I myself out. And how annoying is it when patients are trying to text, you know, over the, the light while you're trying to, you know, and so I just kind of made light of, of our industry. I, I made of all of the stressful things, how ironic it is, all the things that we do in dentistry. You know, I, I took a poll, like we, we tell our patients, we need to see you back. How many of you get your teeth cleaned every four months? Anybody? No. You know, I mean, just funny things like that, that just, it was different. It was light. And of course I got so many positive pieces of feedback from it. People were like, this is so great. Like we needed this. We need to just lighten up sometimes about our industry. And then I had one person who came up to me afterwards and said, I think what you said was extremely inappropriate. You should actually never do that again. You 100% embarrassed yourself with what you did. I was heartbroken about it. I was just mortified to the point where when I saw photos of myself from that, like I couldn't even look at them. I was mortified. Now I was doing a stand-up comedy routine. So I was not in my typical Calvin Klein dress and heels. I was wearing a very, you know, fun loving. My friend Melissa, the hygiene gangster, made this cute, funny tank top for me. And it was just a fun night out on a Friday night at a wine bar. And, you know, that individual had commented on, like, you should never wear things like that ever again. It was inappropriate. And I was just beside myself. And so I looked to my friend Melissa and I said, hey, you know, you were there can I get your advice? And she said, you were an absolute glistening mermaid up there. And don't you ever honor anybody's opinion that is anything but you are a glistening mermaid. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And interestingly enough, I had a videographer there that Good. night. I was just going to ask if you had a videotape yeah. because I think that, you know, especially at times like now, oh my gosh, that would be hysterical to watch. That's true. Yeah. So I had a video there and ironically, my life coach happened to have attended the event as well. And so I had sat down with my life coach and I talked about, you know, I feel like this was a big failure. And he said, watch the video is all I'm going to say, watch the video. And I watched it and everyone is like, they're holding their sides. They're laughing so hard. Nobody, my liquor sales like stopped because nobody wanted to get up and get a drink. They didn't want to miss what I was talking about. I mean, it was 
people were just engaged. They were on the edge of their seat. They were winning. And it was like, for the first time, I just got to sit back without anybody else's opinions and these chorus evals and all these other things and just marvel at how fearless I was and that I was so scared to do. And then I was so busy wrapped up in everything else that I hadn't prepared the way that I wanted to. And at the end of the day that I did this exactly. And that I had that in me and that little mermaid got to sparkle up there without any fear or obturation, you know, from someone else's opinion. And that has really made all the difference for me. It's helped me to, to seek ability in my brand, knowing full well that it's okay that some people see what I do and feel uncomfortable or are not okay with it, then they don't have to come to other events. And, and that's okay because I have a trusted tribe of people who are all about what I do and it feels authentic and amazing to be able to connect with them. And that's the good work that I'm called and compelled to do. So that's it. I was going to ask you this next question, but I don't even think I need to because I know the answer to it already. Because one of the reasons why I connected with you right away is like you inspired me from the moment I heard you speak. And I wanted to ask you if there was anybody that inspires you in dentistry, but I think you are the inspiration to so many young women. Thank you. It's just so many qualities, Katrina, that you possess that really is amazing. And I just want to give you a kudos because it just, you are putting yourself out there. You are taking steps where you have never been before. You are pushing yourself to do things that you think are impossible. And it's just all happening. And I think that that you will continue, as you already have, inspire people, even older chicks like me, you know, like, I mean, seriously. (laughs) Oh, thank you for saying that. That That's so sweet. Thank you. It is amazing to see how much you've accomplished in a really short amount of time. Thank you. It blows me away. So is there anybody that inspires you in dentistry that you can think of like right off the top of your head? You know, it's so funny when you asked me that, it just a room full of women's faces just appeared in front of me. I mean, I'm thinking uh, you, hands down, Vanessa Emerson, Marianne Dreyer, uh, Manal Sampet, Jasmine Haley, Anne Duffy. I mean, uh, Michelle Strange, uh, Irene from my podcast. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking of Emily Bogey, just all of these incredible women that I look to because they inspire me. I think it's short-sighted for anybody to assume. And I, I spring out of every morning and I'm excited about what I do, but are there days where it's harder to get out of bed or are there days where maybe I'm focusing more time on writing? I, nobody enjoys sitting in their inbox or right. emails back. Nobody loves that. You get to the point where you're like, I got to clear out this inbox because I got people who need my attention. And that isn't as fulfilling for me as writing content and sitting with PowerPoint and a glass of red wine, listening to music and building this out, right? And so I think about the people, the women that I reach out to when I'm feeling uninspired Mm -hmm. and any one of the people that I just named and so many more. I can text any one of those people at any given moment and say, I need 20 minutes of your time to mastermind something. Can, can I pick your brain? And 100%, I know any of those women would say, absolutely. 
they're probably all busy on their own calls. But <laughs> that's Zoom okay. We'll right make out. time for you. But we'll make time. Mm-hmm. And I would do the same and have done the same for those women as well. That we, you get to a certain point where, I don't mean to say that the the negative Nancys, you know, that the people who who drain go away because they don't. They'll still write course evals about how I'm a terrible speaker or whatever, but they get fuzzy. You don't focus on them. What you focus on are the, the dreamers, the believers. You focus on the people who at times when you desperately need it, will see something in you that maybe you forgot to see in yourself. That's right. And those are the people that inspire me the most because it is easy when you are on top of the world. It is easy when you've just gotten your hair blown out, when you've just gotten your nails done, when your panties match and you feel fabulous at a wine bar to just be. What is not easy is when it's week whatever of social distancing and our contracts have all gotten canceled and and we are fueled by connecting with others because we're all extroverts. Exactly. with others. And so we're losing our minds of pulling a bottle of wine from the back of the cellar that we forgot we even had, you know, sitting and desperately trying to connect with each other and still trying to build out content. By the way, it looks so glamorous, but half of the content I'm building right now, I'm, I'm doing complimentary for these companies that I'm working with because I want to support them, even though, you know, maybe they can't support me during this time. It's not glamorous. And so those people who can be that light in that darkness and the people who can continue to add sparkle during those moments, those are the people that inspire me the most. Because in my opinion, that is, that is one of the most difficult things to do. And all the women that I named do that so beautifully. And that's why they are industry leaders in what they do. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, you know, the one thing that I love about your generation and I love that we're heading toward is total collaboration. And I find that no industry that I know of is as collaborative as this industry. And it's all over social media right now. You see everybody is collaborating on every project they're doing. I'll support you. You support me. And let's work together because I think together we're so much more powerful than we are by ourselves. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I do think that we all share you know, this energy, like you described before earlier, but we all share this energy. And sometimes the bond of that energy of two people together, oh my gosh, it's, you know, I guess it's like falling in love, you know, when, when you know, you know, and that's all there is to it, that the energy just lights up and inspires you. And I think that that's what we have in our industry. I really do. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Do I have a guilty <laughs> wine? I so I do have. I, I've got a guilty pleasure. Um, I mean, guilty pleasure in general is hot wings. I love hot wings. I'm a sucker for a good hot wing. But also, you know, I travel a lot, as, as you know, you do as well. And so, my guilty pleasure, if I'm in town on a Sunday, is to go to the nail salon with Stephen. We get mani pedis, and I listen to podcasts. I find a lot of content to be able to write about. I'm inspired by a lot of people. I get a lot of great ideas for social media content from listening to podcasts. And so um, I would say that's my guilty pleasure is we, we bring a bottle of wine with us to the local nail salon. Oh my gosh, and, that's um, awesome. They yeah, allow you yeah, to bring they, your own wine. 
Yeah, yeah. They let me. I don't know if you're supposed to or not, but they let me. Nobody's, nobody's talking. I'm not a face that people say no to very much. So uh, we just walk in. And, and of course, Steven's face, nobody would ever say no to that face. So yeah, so Steve and I go and we get our nails done and, and just uh, have a girl's day. And it's, it's really nice. So I would say that's my guilty pleasure. How fun. <laughs> What's your favorite way to relieve stress? My favorite way to relieve stress, this is going to, people are going to think I'm such a nerd for this. I jazzercise at least once a day, but if I'm experiencing a lot of stress, you know, I, I just got off the phone with a you know, really difficult you know, client or a tough phone call or got a really you know, difficult email to read or a terrible course eval came in. Good jazzercise. And there is something to be said for the release of endorphins that happens when you exercise. Mm -hmm. But even more than that, what I love about jazzercise is I'm not an instructor for them. I'm not, you know, contracted by them or sponsored by them at all. But what I love about what they do is they're so positive. Jazzercise is a community. You walk in through the front door, they know your name. Everyone's so excited to see you. You literally listen to pop music and you dance it out for an hour. You're literally dancing for an hour and you're sweating out toxins and these endorphins are coursing through your body. It's where I not only relieve stress, but I draw a lot of inspiration. My brain goes to a different place when I'm at jazzercise and ideas come to me. And if jazzercise doesn't do the trick, if I get home from jazzercise and I'm still feeling stressed, take a glass of wine and I go into the shower. <laughs> I have a glass of wine in the shower and that'll do the trick. There you go. So that's, that's what I do for stress. And uh, I'll say, really the combination of endorphins, releasing those toxins and just allowing your brain to listen to else's music and allowing your beautiful body to move, allowing your heart muscle pump. It, for me, it does the trick. You know, I had a, a spin instructor that did that for me and I would go all over the state and follow him because he did classes in different locations. So on Wednesdays and Saturdays, I didn't care where he was, I was following him and I was taking his class and the same thing, you know, when sometimes I would do a double, you know, two hour class and I would get done, I'd be soaking wet, but I would be on top of the world because those endorphins is nothing like it. You know, when oh. you are used to having those runners high yeah, you just you want more, you want more, you want more. Yes. So it's the same centers that uh, opioid addiction comes from is very similar to that endorphin. And oh my gosh, it is addicting. It is. It, is. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> but but I think a good addiction in moderation. I mean, I think it's it really allows you this opportunity to you know be healthy and be mindful because I do think that when you're you're moving your body like that, you also make healthy choices with hydration. Yes. You make healthy choices with the nutritious foods that you put in your body, and so all of those things. And I know we've talked about this before, and and you know stay tuned because there's a lot of content that you and I want to talk about with this. But that puts you into a, a what they call high vibration. Those are things that allow your body to feel good. And so it's in those moments that um, you're the best version of yourself and you create the best content, you create the best ideas, right things come to you and you're in a right frame of mind to allow those things into your world. And so uh, I, I agree 100%. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, I can't thank you enough for being with me again. We won't tell oh, this people the story that about <laughs> our last time together, but um, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show. Oh, and I just you. love your energy and I love where you're going. So 
Can't wait to see the journey unfold in front of you. You've got lots of places that you're going, girlfriend. So thanks for having me be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me be a part of this. It's, it's an honor. And, and, you know, to the nod that I created earlier, it is true that, you know, brushing shoulders with people like you is what helps me to continue to remain inspired to do what I do. So thank you for all the things that you're doing. And to all of the women out there that are listening to this, thank you for taking the time and, and trusting the words of women who have been there or maybe have yet to be there. Um, as I've shared my journey still, unfolding, you know, but for the women out there who are listening that, you know, you're, you matter and your heart and the passions and the things that, that you feel called and compelled to do matter. And, and it's people like MJ who are creating these opportunities for you to uh, explore that in such a beautiful way. So thank you for the ways that you lead women. You're amazing. Well, so are you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.